Chapter Eight of the Gray Phantom by Herman Landon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. The Gray Phantom by Herman Landon. Chapter Eight. The Voice on the Wire. The Gray Phantom lay on his back in W. Rufus Fairspeckle's ample bed and tried to grasp the meaning of what had happened. His host's attempt to drug him savored strongly of melodrama, and it seemed somewhat grotesque in view of the fact that it had occurred in an up-to-date and centrally located hotel. What puzzled him most was the motive behind the attempt. If Mr. Fairspeckle suspected that he was Mr. Shea, why had he not handed his guest over to the police? On the other hand, but his conjectures in that direction brought the phantom face to face with a theory that made his thoughts whirl. His eyes flitted over the room. The color combination was restful, but the decorations, and especially the pictures, bespoke rather extreme tastes. He had gathered, from what little he had seen of the surroundings, that Mr. Fairspeckle was occupying a luxurious apartment consisting of several rooms and that it had been fitted up to suit his individual requirements. Hayuto, the rat-footed Japanese servant, seemed to be his only companion. An hour passed, and the phantom's cogitations brought him back to the starting point. Nothing seemed certain beyond the indubitable fact that Mr. Fairspeckle was a highly mysterious individual. The rest was full of vague and hazy surmises. The phantom waited patiently, wondering what his host's next move would be, for he had decided to play a passive role for the present. He explored his pockets and was thankful that his automatic had not been taken from him. Evidently his jailer was depending on the drug to keep him in a harmless condition. His keen ears detected footsteps approaching the door, and in a twinkling he was lying prone on the bed, simulating the complete insensibility that comes with drug-induced sleep. The door came open, then furtive steps crossed the floor, and the phantom felt a pair of sharp eyes on his face. His regular breathing seemed to satisfy the silent watcher, for after a little he turned away. As he reached the door, the phantom flicked open an eyelid and saw Hayuto. Evidently the servant had entered the room to make sure that the effects of the drug were not wearing off. The door closed almost noiselessly. Again the phantom sat up. A glance at his watch told him it was a few minutes after two. He slid his feet from the bed and tiptoed cautiously to a window and raised the shade. As he looked out, an undersized figure on the opposite sidewalk instantly caught his eye. As far as appearances went, the man might have been only an idler engaged in the pastime of ogling the feminine passers-by but the phantom's practiced eyes saw at once that he was there for a purpose. The stealthy glances which he occasionally leveled at the windows of Mr. Fairspeckle's apartment 
gave an unmistakable clue to his mission. The phantom's brows contracted as he quickly lowered the shade. Was it possible someone had seen and recognized him on his way from the station and later trailed him to Mr. Fairspeckle's apartment? The thought was annoying, for he disliked having his movements hampered by spies. Then, as he turned away from the window, another possibility suggested itself. Perhaps Mr. Fairspeckle, and not himself, was being kept under surveillance of the fellow on the sidewalk. The theory was startling and rather improbable, yet it coincided with the suspicion that had kept flashing in and out of the phantom's mind. He examined the mechanism of his automatic and made sure the cartridge chamber was loaded. He sensed a hint in the air that before long he might have occasion to use the weapon. He was in the act of returning it to his hip pocket when, of a sudden, he pricked up his ears. From somewhere in the apartment came a series of faint clicking sounds. At first he tried in vain to identify them, but finally it came to him that someone was using a typewriter. "'Typewriter?' he mumbled. The words seemed to hold a hidden significance, but for a while his mind was unable to grasp it. He did not believe that either Mr. Fairspeckle or Hayuto had occasion to use such an instrument, yet he was almost certain that the sounds were coming from one of the adjoining rooms. The clicks were slow and irregular, he observed, indicating that the writer was unfamiliar with the machine and was having some difficulty picking out the characters on the keyboard. He stole to the door and opened it a crack. The sounds became louder, and the writer's awkward groping for the keys was more noticeable now. For a moment the phantom stood listening, then his figure grew suddenly tense. A thin smile hovered over his lips as he recalled that the announcements which Mr. Shea had distributed throughout the city had been written on a typewriter. It might mean little or nothing, but there was a keen glitter in the phantom's eyes. In itself the clicking of the machine signified scarcely anything, but in conjunction with other circumstances it was fairly suggestive. With noiseless tread the phantom tiptoed in the direction whence the sounds were coming. Now and then he darted a quick glance about him, as if expecting a rear attack from the Japanese servant but Hayuto was nowhere in sight. He traversed several rooms before he came to a dead stop in a doorway. At a table near the window, with his back to the phantom, sat Mr. Fairspeckle. He was hunched over a typewriter, laboriously poking at the keys with the index finger of each hand. Silently the phantom approached until he stood directly at the older man's back. Mr. Fairspeckle, all his energy centered on his difficult task, noticed nothing. Leaning slightly forward, the phantom cast a swift, comprehensive glance at the paper in the machine. Then his twinkling eyes looked downward. On the desk, at Mr. Fairspeckle's elbow, lay a little pile of papers. 
the topmost one was partly covered with typewriting and the wording was precisely the same as that on the paper in the machine the phantom had seen enough he drew his automatic from his pocket then waited until mr fairspeckle stopped writing and pulled the sheet from the machine you seem to be fairly busy mr shay he observed in soft tones mr fairspeckle jerked up his shoulders then sat as rigid as if suddenly turned into a statue finally with slow and spasmodic motions he turned his head and looked into the muzzle of the phantom's automatic a startled look leaped into his eyes and his sallow face turned a shade paler you he exclaimed i watered one of your ferns with the coffee hayuto handed me the phantom explained a cruel way to treat an inoffensive plant i'll admit but there was nothing else handy mind if i have a look lowering the weapon a trifle he picked up the sheet of paper mr fairspeckle had just drawn from the machine watching the older man out of the tail of an eye he read the typewritten lines in accordance with my promise i herewith announce the names of the seven gentlemen whom by certain means at my disposal i shall persuade to hand over half of their respective fortunes to me then followed a list of seven names each one suggestive of untold wealth and vast influence in the financial world and the phantom smiled as he noticed that w rufus fairspeckle was one of them by way of signature mr shay's name was typed at the bottom of the announcement not bad commented the phantom by including yourself among the seven victims you make sure that no suspicion becomes attached to the fair name of w rufus fairspeckle anyhow since you are one of the richest men in town it would look rather odd if your name were omitted congratulations mr shay the other looked stolidly into the muzzle of the automatic the phantom's sudden and unexpected appearance seemed to have paralyzed his tongue you could save a lot of time by taking carbon copies suggested the phantom riffling the sheets lying beside the machine you will need a hundred or more to plaster the town effectively i understand now why you took that long walk this morning there's nothing like having a pleasant pastime when one can't sleep what i don't understand is how you meant to put your plan into effect a sickly smile cruised about mr fairspeckle's bloodless lips oh i don't expect you to let me in on the secret the phantom went on with your past performances in mind i have no doubt you would have executed your threat in a manner becoming your genius there's only one thing about your achievements that has disappointed me i don't see why you had to copy my method so slavishly for a while i was almost certain that mr shay was one of my former associates and that's why he checked himself on the point of explaining why he had come out of hiding couldn't you have shown a little more originality 
an inarticulate mumble came from mr fairspeckle's lips his fingers fidgeted nervously over his knees well don't try to explain i suppose the police will attend to that part there will be quite a sensation when it becomes known that w rufus fairspeckle is the mysterious mr shea i wonder what drove you to it you were bored with the life of a gentleman of leisure i suppose and then you had a goose to pick with your old enemies i take it that was your chief motive well mr shea a dulcet twinkle interrupted him and he glanced quickly at the telephone on mr fairspeckle's desk you may answer he said after a moment's hesitation mr fairspeckle reached out a trembling hand for the instrument he put the receiver to his ear and spoke a feeble hello into the transmitter in the next instant his face went blank it's for you he announced gazing dazedly at the phantom for me the phantom stared incredulously at the instrument to the best of his knowledge his whereabouts was known to nobody but mr fairspeckle and the japanese servant quickly gathering himself he placed the automatic within easy reach and took the telephone from mr fairspeckle's hand he started as a voice came over the wire mr shea speaking it announced in level tones if you value miss hardwick's life i would advise you to abandon your present plans that is all then a click and the connection was broken end of chapter eight recording by roger moline